Hello and welcome to the Australian Bitcoin podcast. So today we've got Alex with us um, and myself, Daniel Wilczynski, and we'll be talking about the latest Bitcoin news for the month of November. So the aim of the podcast is just to um, talk about what we find found the most relevant Bitcoin events for Australians and to have a discussion and, and, and I hope you find that interesting and get something from that. So Alex, how are you? Yeah, good. Been a it's been a good month. Lots of news. <laughs> really big news month. Yeah, came to came to talk to it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, there was a lot of things happening. I was thinking like, oh, maybe we should do this every two weeks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's getting like because that. Yeah. a lot of things happened last month. Um, I guess maybe we'll just start off with what people always find really exciting is the price. So right now, the Bitcoin price on hard block for Australian dollars is around fifty seven thousand Australian dollars so it went up around 10 percent in the last 30 days and around 42 percent in the last six months what do you make of the price alex yeah well uh there's a lot of speculation about whether we're out of the out of the beer and into the into the bull um definitely seems that way um we're definitely seeing activity picking up on hard block as well aren't we so yeah um yeah it's good to see and i mean the last sort of month since that big that big rise has been maintained which is great to see as well yeah yeah i feel yeah it does feel that the energy the vibe seems much more bullish right now yeah we're seeing more volume on hard block and people getting more excited and i think one of the things i, I realized like the difference between a bull market and a bear market is in a bull market even when we have bad news like the price doesn't really go down or keeps on going up why in a bear market even good news but the price keeps on going down like despite good news um, and like an, as an example of that like you might have heard that CZ the CEO of Binance had to step down and got a massive fine and that could be interpreted as negative news in a bear market would probably be interpreted as negative news but for us that happened and the price didn't really get affected negatively so I think that's kind of one of the things I notice about a bear market and a bull market Another reason for the for the bullish sentiment is first people are anticipating the halving, which is going to be in a few months, and everybody's expecting that the Bitcoin price will go up after the halving. And there's also the anticipation of the ETF. So those things um, also kind of leading to that kind of bullish sentiment. Do you agree with that, Alex? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And one one other little fact I keep hearing over and over uh, at the moment that people are very excited about is that the amount of Bitcoin on exchanges is at all time lows, uh, which is very impressive. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that means if there's like a big rise in demand, suddenly the price could go up very sharply because there's not that much, yeah, mark like Bitcoin for sale on exchanges. But anyway, okay. So we can move on from the news. Sorry, move on from the price and could get on to the news. And like, so something for Australians relevant for us was there was the Bitcoin bush bash in New South Wales last weekend. Uh, I wasn't there. I've been there for previously to two of the bush bashes, but uh, maybe Alex, you, you, you were there. So maybe you can explain a bit what the bush bash is and like, what did you get out of the bush bash in Marmandai? Yeah, sure thing. Uh, yeah, it was a great weekend last weekend uh, up in Murrundi, which is uh, right in the far end of the Hunter Valley in New South Wales. 
Um, so the Bush Bash is a community event. Uh, it's essentially just a group of Bitcoiners from all over Australia descending on a small regional town, um, talking Bitcoin for a full weekend. There's presentations, there's, you know, breakfasts, lunches and dinners and a whole bunch of the social side of Bitcoin and essentially just drinking drinking the small town out of, out of beer for the weekend. It's a really great event. Uh, you always learn a lot. She, one thing that was a bit different this uh, this time, we unfortunately, Katan, Katan normally runs a privacy day where he talks about self-hosting and privacy, uh, and not just in Bitcoin, but just um, in general. And unfortunately, he wasn't able to make it this time. So at, at the last minute on the Friday, we squeezed together a, a bit of a demo day where a whole bunch of people went up and gave us uh, demonstrations of how to do things in Bitcoin. Um, and that was great. And then we finished up the day with a, the inaugural Bush Bash Bit Devs. Which was excellent. We sort of talked to the news. Okay, so that's that's a new thing, the bit devs. So you, that was about talking about like technical stuff. Who who was there attending the bit devs thing? Who who participated in it? Um, Pete Wynn and um, Nick ran ran it, I guess. But there was there was a big contingent on maybe sixty, if I was to guess, sixty sixty ish people this on for the Friday bit devs, and then for the entire event over the weekend, I think we maxed out at about over one hundred and twenty. So it was, it was quite a big, quite a big showing. Yeah, really impressive. If you haven't been to 120 attendees. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was good. And if you haven't been to a Bush Bash and you're going to make it to the next one, the next one's going to be, I think, uh, mid-March, I think maybe March 14th, 15th, 16th. I better check the dates. No, March 15th, 16th, 17th, and it'll be in Beechworth um, next year in Victoria. You can look at, look at Bush, Bitcoin Bush Bash and should, on Google and should come up. Were there any like takeaways or put any kind of talks that stood out for you? Um, yeah, there were, there were a few. I think, um, I mean, one that I, I really enjoyed is the next generation multi-sig uh, talk given by the Frostnap guys. So uh, Nick and Lloyd talking about their efforts to build a new, uh, new style of hardware wallet. Um, so I think that's pretty impressive and I'm looking forward to what they're building. Uh, another one that I, I thought was uh, good uh is we sort of had there was almost like themes to the presentation so in the afternoon on the saturday we had like a string of sort of like financial presentations so we had we heard about putting bitcoin in your self-managed super fund and the experience that andy's had building the bitcoin advisor where now helps people to do that uh and then also was the heard, bitcoin advisor there yeah 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 both pete and uh, andy were there so yeah and he so was andy, talking about how to put bitcoin in your super fund yeah that's right yeah yeah so it was good Great to hear. Obviously, we know that soup is the low-hanging fruit. So, um, yeah, it's just it's going to get taken if you, if you don't take steps to um, secure it, I would say, not in the sort of medium to long term. And then also we heard from Adam on um, taxation and basically just how the tax system works, uh, which is essentially you're just guilty until you're proven innocent. So <laughs> defend yourself. Okay, yeah, that sounds interesting. Uh, yeah, for myself, I didn't go... To the bush bash this time because it's a bit far for me living in adelaide it's a bit of a drive so i skipped this time i did go on a small family trip to renmark uh, with, yeah, with my family and another friend and his family and um, renmark it's on the Murray river in australia uh, it was very good very beautiful it was nice weather uh, we done some kind of uh, forward driving there and caught a bit of carp we actually cooked one of the carp and my people in Australia, they, they don't like carp, but if you cook it fresh, it's actually not too bad. Have, have you ever eaten carp, Alex? No, I haven't. No. Okay. Well, if you eat it, if you 
like pish it and cook it straight after killing it, it's actually reasonably tasty. The only thing is it's got so many bones, so you have to really watch out. It's got heaps of bones, but the actual meat is reasonably good. Oh, well, so yeah. anyway, that's a lesson, non-Bitcoin lesson <laughs> for everybody there. Yeah, but get on to the Bitcoin news. Um, so, okay, well, maybe the first thing we'll talk about is, uh, so CZ, the CEO of Binance, which was the biggest crypto exchange, kind of huge rise over the last five years. It really went from nothing to being like a multi-billion dollar company. CZ, the Department of Justice in the US sued him. And I don't know all his details. I'm not into like US politics. And I think a lot of that stuff, you know, it's not very transparent. There's probably political games being played. A lot of stuff happening behind closed doors. But he got sued by the Department of Justice of the United States because apparently Binance was facilitating money laundering. And so CZ had to step down. And Binance had to pay a $4 billion fine. So what do you think? What, what do you think is the future for Binance? Oh, I think Binance will continue for sure. Uh, it's just they're getting pulled into the, the US sphere, I guess. Um, a few things. I think one thing that stands out to me is they're making a big big news of this $4.3 billion fine. But I don't know how significant that is in terms of uh, Binance's overall revenue. Like, obviously, it'd be some kind of setup, setback. But... Uh, it sort of just reinforces that their strategy of sort of ignoring the US and then sort of begging for forgiveness later is probably probably will have paid off. Um, the other thing is, yeah, they're making a big deal of this four point three dollar, uh, sorry, four point three billion dollar fine, um, as if it's the like the largest fine ever paid. But I mean, the, the the major banks in the US pay fines very close to this all the time, and if you just totaled up a number of the 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 banks, it would, it would pay under significance. Yeah, four billion. It's a lot for you and me, but like for Binance, it's kind of reasonable. You have a huge company now making a lot of money. But yeah, I think you're right. It seems to me again. I don't know all the details, but from the outside, it seems like it's more the U.S. government trying to kind of pull them in and control them a little bit more. I did. I did yeah. read that. Been sort of in discussions about this for a fairly long time, like uh, sort of a couple of years, I believe. And so I guess I've just decided that now's the right time. I mean, there's a lot of speculation that this was the last step required before the the Bitcoin ETF. You know, the, the regulators in the US would not be satisfied of, about launching a Bitcoin ETF when the majority of the liquidity uh, was being settled offshore. I mean, you said earlier before that it potentially been perceived as negative news in a bear market that CZ had been fined, well, Binance had been fined and that CZ was stepping down. But I think maybe the counter side to that is that it's being perceived as bullish news for the launch of a Bitcoin ETF very soon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I agree with that. I guess what I was saying is like you can look at it both ways, positive and negative. And in a bear market, the perception, the framing would be negative. Yeah. And, yeah. and the, in a Agreed. bullish market, the perception framing would be positive. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I heard the same things, but it's, um, but BS government yeah, was trying to kind of control Binance a bit more, control, bring it under its more control a bit more, and then allow the ETFs, um, you know, kind of what somebody presented to me was that we we're trying to put Binance down and then present BlackRock and the ETFs as kind of the, save the night on a white horse coming to save bitcoin that's what somebody um who kind of who has some inside knowledge told me yeah i mean that's that's the that's the game right it's to substitute out the uh 
the crypto exchanges and then uh, roll in the world garden. Uh, yeah, exactly. Banks. So I'm not sure if that's like the best thing because whatever you, you say about Binance, okay, like it's a bit of a shitcoin casino, that's true. But at least people could buy Bitcoin and then could remove it. And, um, you know, they allow, they allow people to put Bitcoin to their own custody with an ETF. It's kind of not quite as good because you, you buy, you buy, you don't really own the Bitcoin. It's just completely within the ETF. And I don't know about the US ETFs, but uh, I'm guessing you won't be able to remove the Bitcoin from the ETF. You won't be able to withdraw it probably, or and probably most people won't. So, you know, I'm not sure if it's like, if we have exchanges and we have ETFs, that's great. But if it's supposed to be ETFs versus exchanges, I think exchanges are better. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, should we move on? Do you have anything else? What, what kind of do you have any news? Yeah, well, I mean, in the same in the same uh, vein, we've got the uh, Sam Bankman Freed. It's been officially found guilty. So FTX founder, yeah, has been sentenced at the end of. So he's been found guilty now, but he won't be sentenced until next year. So he's guilty of stealing customer funds. Um, as we all know, FTX at this point, we all know that FTX had around eighty thousand Bitcoin. That, that sold to customers and then they only had one so um yep basically reapothecating customer funds it's good to see yeah. I, it's almost like the end of another chapter as well yeah and obviously he was also donating a lot to the politicians i'm guessing probably the plan if they didn't go down if your ftx didn't go down probably the plan would be to get rid of binance and promote ftx which was more had deeper connections to the united states yeah yeah, yeah well i don't think no one's getting any of that political donation money back. You can guarantee yeah. that, right? So another thing that happened, um, so Javier Millet won in Argentina. And I, I just interviewed somebody about that from Argentina, so you can listen to that. So we don't need to spend that much, but basically, uh, yeah, we don't need to spend that much time talking about that. But you can listen to the podcast to get more in depth. But he's kind of a very libertarian, anarcho-capitalist politician. Whose kind of philosophy matches the philosophy of Bitcoin? Yeah, do you have anything to say about that, Alex? Yeah, well, I think um, the, I mean the the only thing, and Fernando talks about it in the podcast, which is quite good, is that he's not necessarily a pro Bitcoin politician in the sense that he's not going to go out like uh, uh, and Nayib did, Nayib Bukele, and make legal tender laws. Uh, what he is much more likely to do is someone who's like very. And if you listen to him or you see any of the videos, he is very well versed in the Austrian school. Like he, he was a legitimate Austrian economist. So what he's much more likely to do is just remove the barriers to using Bitcoin. And then Bitcoin's just going to compete in an open market. And we know that if we get that opportunity, well, we're going to do great things. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. What else do you have, Alex? Any avenues? Uh, I really enjoyed um, the response by Bitcoin Magazine uh about uh to the federal reserve so if you're, if you're not aware the federal reserve threatened to sue bitcoin magazine about their fed now uh merch like this they launched uh they launched a, a some parody t-shirts um about the about the over the launch of fed now and um if you haven't if you haven't read the counter response go and look it up because it's quite good okay yeah i heard about that they made some shirts making fun of the fed and i think the fed's didn't the American Federal Reserve didn't like those shirts? Obviously, yeah, yeah. I think they sued them for copyright infringement or something like that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 
So another thing that happened recently was a Bitcoin mining conference. And one kind of interesting development that came out of it was Luke Dash Jr. is and some other people are going to start a decentralized mining pool. Uh, Jack Dorsey and some other people are going to fund it. And the idea is to help decentralized mining. So if from what I'm reading, it's going to be kind of a non-custodial mining pool where people um, can join that pool, but they get the Bitcoin. Yeah, it's non-custodial and they can get it directly. Yeah, so we, which means it's much more decentralized. And I think that's an issue because lightly some mining pools, big mining pools. Again, I'm not actually like, I never mined Bitcoin, so I'm not an expert in mining. But what I hear is some Bitcoin mining pools, they actually start doing KYC checks and kind of freezing funds and doing things like that on the people who participate in the pool. So having a decentralized mining pool, that's a very good development. Did you hear about that, Alex? Yeah, I did. Um, yeah, it's it's a yeah really positive development. Yeah, also uh, similar news this week um, with the mining pools. So in, in line with this, is, so we found out that Eftapool, which is one of the biggest pools, the mining pools, just quietly deployed filtering, so uh, transaction filtering. So they, they stopped mining uh, OFAC-sanctioned transactions. And luckily, somebody had already, someone was monitoring the mining pools so someone had developed software that just monitored and compared what they expected the block to be and then versus what the actual block was and then they noticed that these ofac sanctioned transactions were missing from eftapool's blocks and posted about it on twitter and it's actually resulted in eftapool backing off from this so they've uh, removed the transaction filtering for now um but they haven't backed down from the position that they want to do it that they, they basically said that they, they want to build more consensus around it before they keep it going but yeah it's definitely concerning and so, yeah, so it's great to see uh, this new mining pool, which is Ocean. It's called Ocean Pool. Yeah, it's starting to to push into decentralizing the mining pool uh, process. And so the way that they're doing that is they're, they're starting to incorporate Stratum V2. It basically decentralizes the process of constructing a block, a block template, which is all the transactions that go into the block, uh, which is currently centralized. And so I think that's a pretty good development. Hopefully it works out. And actually something like this, to my mind, this is actually probably the most important news of November because this is, it goes to the fundamentals of Bitcoin and why we like Bitcoin, not some shitcoin, because that is that emphasis and all that work being done behind the scenes of keeping it decentralized. And a lot of people like who just come, and I can understand the newbies, they think, oh, just like, oh, they see crypto, it's okay, they're all decentralized apparently, but it's they're not all the same. Bitcoin and Ethereum are not the same, it's not the same decentralization. And But a lot of people don't see that kind of work that goes behind the scenes in Bitcoin, keeping everything lightweight, secure, and decentralized. So another thing that happened recently, again, going to that point of decentralization regulation. So wallet of Satoshi, which is a very popular Bitcoin and Lightning wallet that came from Australia, is the company is based in Australia. They had to pull out of the United States because of regulatory hurdles. And wallet of Satoshi is a very easy to use wallet. I'm sure many people already heard of it. It is centralized. It's a centralized wallet. It's custodial. So all of Satoshi holds the Bitcoin for you. And, you know, it's all right because it's not meant for big amounts. It's meant for small amounts for spending and it works great for that. I use it. But because they hold Bitcoin in custody and they are centralized, there are all these regulations, obligations that we decided to pull out of United States, which is a sad development. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Satoshi is great. 
I actually really enjoyed Wallet of, using Wallet of Satoshi this weekend. Um, I, I managed to win the Bitcoin Bush Bash poker tournament. So I walked away with, I can't remember, 400,000 sats uh, as, a, as a result of winning that, something like that. And uh, I was able to receive directly into Wallet of Satoshi because I hadn't set up um, my other Lightning Wallet with enough inbound liquidity, obviously not expecting to win. So that was good. I, I think this is just a defensive play by Wallet of Satoshi. Like, I, I don't know if they're necessarily facing any legal threats or uh, the, like direct legal threats, but just off the back of the message that was put out by the US regulators following charging CZ, I think reduce that risk. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the US is sending a message. And I mean, we literally sent that message. There was a talk where Janet, Janet Yellen, uh, the, you know, the head of the Fed in the United States and some other people they were around him. They were telling, oh, we're sending a message to crypto that, you know, blah, blah, blah. You can't do whatever you want to do, which it doesn't do that anyway. I'm not sure if you saw that. Was that what message? And she, yeah, yeah, I watched it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because she did not even, you know, she couldn't pronounce Binance. Like yeah, she Binance. pronounced it wrong. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it makes you think like, I'm sure she knows how to pronounce it. I, I, I just think she, my thing was she's just probably pretty clueless about the whole thing. She doesn't even know much what Binance is to the point where she can't even pronounce the name properly. Yeah. Um, so it's like, you know, but they're, they're making pronouncements about something and they can't even pronounce the name of a company. It's like, okay, well, you know, thank you for regulating us and you don't even have any clue. But if we want to keep, keep the regulation talk going, um, there's a couple more that happened this month. So Gemini, uh, which is uh, based in the UK or Gemini UK anyway, um, so they've been forced to start complying with the FATF travel rule uh, in the UK. Uh, so that means that they basically have to identify the name and country of the originating party when they receive Bitcoin, the wallet type, the, whether it's a custodial or non-custodial wallet, and then also the name of a business if, if there's any business associated with that. So it's basically just the rollout of trying to basically mo- transaction monitoring within the UK and then I believe the EU's adopting it as well or has adopted it. So Gemini is using um, a system called, uh, they call it Trust. So it's a travel rule universal solution technology. And so basically if you're a trust entity, then you become part of this network. And so they're restricting deposits to, for Gemini UK to only, they're only allowed to come from other entities in this trust network. And they get from December, they're only going to let you withdraw to entities within the trust network. So yeah, just another wall garden. Yeah, yeah. So, and something that's going to happen in Australia, we might have to at some point implement it at hard block also. Um, so, if there's the FAT, the Financial Action Task Force, or whatever it is, some, yeah, I think that's what it stands for. And it's like a global organization, and countries get a writing how well we're doing on a very kind of anti-terrorism and money laundering. And, you know, it's kind of controlled by these, I don't know who, but it's probably in the United States and these global things. And, um, yeah, I mean, like we, with Australia, we had discussions about it, about it. It's not something we have to do in Australia right now, but there's a push to get countries implementing voice guidelines and basically it will mean when there's an exchange. So for example, for Hardblock, how it would mean if you want to send Bitcoin from Hardblock, you'd have to tell us where you're sending the Bitcoin. Um, if it's an exchange that's pre-approved, we might be able to send it. And if it's like your own custodial wallet, we might have to get you to prove that the wallet belongs to you and do some extra KYC 
and ask you questions if you're trying to send Bitcoin from hard block to uh, to your own wallet. So it's, it's not something that we have to do now, but it's likely maybe two or three as exchanges who have to do that. So it is what it is. But um, it's important that there are decentralized ways of getting Bitcoin. There are, there are decentralized exchanges. There's ways people can get Bitcoin from mining servers. Now people can get mining Bitcoin from mining. And like we discussed, there's decentralized mining pools. So yeah, there's ways to go around that. And I think people find a way to go around that if the regulations get too onerous. But yeah, I think it's, there is this kind of, push uh, to what you said before to create this kind of world garden experience where they want to control everything and everything has to be controlled but it's kind of against the nature of bitcoin unfortunately and i think bitcoin because it is it's it's going to find around if those rules get too onerous people will find a way around them yeah and then the final one uh on that is so swan bitcoin had a similar uh similar bit of news this this month so Swan Bitcoin started limiting customers uh, who are interacting with privacy services. So people, so basically they, they they stopped serving anyone who was sending either directly from or directly to a, a, a mixing service like Wasabi or Samurai. And then for the same 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 as Gemini and same that would apply to potentially in Australia is that you know they're, just, they're forced to comply because you know they, they link into the existing financial system uh, in their case in the US, but the same same problem applies here in the Australia like a, as a as a exchange hard block we would have to uh we're beholden to the financial institutions that give us access to the australian dollar yeah same thing but yeah like i said bitcoin will find a way and if, if the regulations get too onerous but yeah like swan people criticize swan i don't know what the type what to say about that because in some ways i can understand both sides people criticize swan for implementing these rules but yeah, you know swan has to look yeah, well, I mean, Swan doesn't get a choice. It's either they implement the yeah. rules or they cease operating. It's like, yeah, or they which, get, which one yeah. provides the better service? Yeah. Yeah. Or, they get treated, or they get the Binance treatment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So something else that kind of came up on Twitter, it was somebody like some individual called Rick. He talked about how uh, he got hacked and he, uh, he was like a Bitcoiner and he was actually going to El Salvador and he had apparently 25 bitcoin which was kind of his most of his savings and uh he got hacked did you hear about that yeah 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 it was a big big month for regulatory news it was also a big month for hacks and loss of bitcoin um i guess unfortunately but yeah, yeah i did hear about this one yeah yeah and i think like because i hope this doesn't sound negative because there's like some people might like be hearing that and get very afraid yeah and, and, well, it's, kind of, it's okay because we're in the bull market now so the the frame is all positive so this is yeah, just a yeah, learning yeah. experience yeah well i mean it, it is it is kind of like important to learn like that's why i bring it up because it's like yeah. when somebody gets hacked I, I find it interesting for myself it's like okay i always find out how did they get hacked what did they do wrong like what yeah. was happening like what, what can be the takeaway from that and you know because i mean there's a lot of people who owed a lot of money in bitcoin you know much more than you and me millions of dollars worth of bitcoin ever ever known and they've been holding it securely for many years and that's the experience for many people so it can be done securely mm. and people who aren't even very technical have held it you know elderly people but like sometimes these things do occur so but it, it's i just find it well like what can we learn and i think the learning um well, it, yeah it, was yeah oh, so yeah in in this case it was uh, they they created their 
storage method or their their way of securing their Bitcoin a long time ago. And then they just they didn't they didn't review it and they didn't update it. So prior to hardware wallets, Rick and his I think I believe it was his father had set up their security and they, they were using essentially a password manager to, to store their Bitcoin seed. And so your Bitcoin is secured by the the entropy or like the essentially the the size of the randomness that generates the private key. And so your 12 word or 24 seed word has an, enough entropy that it makes it very secure. But if then if you then just store that online or in a way that's accessible to someone online, but with a small password, then you, it sort of defeats the purpose. And so unfortunately, that's what, what they've done. And so someone got into their password manager, they were able to crack the password and then the seed was just right there. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So like my takeaway from that was they held very proceed on a password manager basically it was an internet connected device it was stored online like password manager is good i recommend people use it but there's kind of different levels of security okay maybe for your banking password or whatever or some things like that you can use a password manager but storing like your a big portion of your wealth which is what Hida had on basically online if you're starting a password manager it was online so on an internet internet connected device that's not like a good, good idea you want to i think the takeaway for me is you want to hold it your seed in cold storage egg up which we kind of knew already and, and use, but... use a hardware wallet right yeah. and rick even said this like he was aware of the security best practice and you know he was evangelizing hardware wallets to everyone he knew but it was it, it was really just a failure to to review and update your security uh as time goes on like yeah whatever your setup is now uh, you know, two years from now, one year from now, four years from now, just take the time to to review it and just see, think about what is best practice now and then what the best practice might be in the future. Yeah, exactly. And I think it was another Bitcoiner, um, what was his name? Um, or Tri Smear, and he was prominent, especially a few years ago. Um, I'm not sure what happened to him now. He doesn't seem as prominent now. But he said you should give the security of your Bitcoin as much thought as if it was worth 10 times more than what it is now because it's probably going to go up soon you know so it's like if he, if he had like 25 bitcoin so how much was that that's like a million dollars worth of bitcoin um i don't know i haven't done the maths i'm not good at maths but something like that um, how much is 25 probably more yeah it's one and a half million yeah yeah okay like he said like well is it, and it's probably going to go up in the future right like if it could 10x so you treat it as if you had like 10 million worth of bitcoin and give it that much like give your security that much effort you know like so i guess he kind of got lazy he studied like this old method on like a password manager and i guess it worked for a few years and he couldn't get around to moving into a secure more secure method and he couldn't get hidden yeah he, he didn't put that enough effort into it and unfortunately he paid the price Yep, absolutely. Um, should, we, should we cover off? There were some other some other fun uh, Bitcoin losses. Well, yeah, not fun, but you know, interesting Bitcoin losses. So there was uh, there was one who a guy who lost 0.4 Bitcoin. Uh, this is posted on Reddit um, from his cold cut. So he had a cold car wallet. He went went and did the best practice. Went out and bought a, a cold car wallet. You know, he was so security conscious that he even rolled his own entropy. So he rolled dice to generate his own entropy, and then bam. 0.4 Bitcoin, it's gone. So what happened? Well, unfortunately, he didn't actually understand what the was involved in the process of rolling uh, rolling dice for entropy. And he rolled a single dice. So he rolled a single dice, got a, a number five, 
and he used the number five as his seed. And then obviously it's, it's a very simple, predictable uh, seed to have. And it was essentially just swept by someone else who's monitoring the blockchain immediately. Yeah. Yeah. So I think one of the takeaways from this is there's... Um, like there's a saying um, in security in cryptography uh, before Bitcoin, never row your own cryptography. And it refers to there's different cryptography algorithms and like use the established one. Don't try to make your own one. Because when you make your own, like the ones that are there are already kind of established and used. And if you're trying to make your own one, you could be making a mistake. And I think maybe something like that is what happened with this guy, what you're describing. is, And I've seen this in several cases with Luke Dash Jr. last year or so. Well, I think sometimes people, they have good knowledge, the good technical knowledge, but they try to get things a little bit too fancy. They make a mistake. And if they just went with more, like a more established method, like just using a hardware wallet, it would have been better. I think, yeah, that's definitely been a lesson of the last 14 years of, of Bitcoin's existence. I think specifically in this case, though, he did he did buy a, a, a cold card. Uh, he just he misunderstood the the process of rolling dice, and so he rolled a single mm-hmm. dice instead of the uh, however many dice rolls was, was required. Right. Mm-hmm. So unfortunate, but yeah, it definitely highlights the the role. You need to you need to practice, and you need to know what you're doing. Yeah, you can't you can't outsource that role, responsibility, unfortunately. Yeah, well, I mean, because does code card require you to roll dice? You can either just tell code card to generate a seed uh, for you, or you can apply user um, generated entropy. But either yeah. rolling dice or flipping coins or yeah. whatever. So it's kind of an interesting trade-off because like in theory, what he done would be more secure because I'm guessing code card, most hardware wallets and most people they use the hardware wallet generated seed phrase. And in theory, what he done is more secure because he didn't rely on code card. But in practice, he made a mistake and it was actually less secure. And if he used the actual wallet generated seed phrase, he would have been better off. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, well, is there anything positive? Because we just had, is there anything positive? Any- yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we covered the major positive news, which is, in my opinion, having Malay's election and then the, an ocean pool. The two, the two big positive ones. Uh, and then, uh, depending on your framing, CZ as well with the, the, the likelihood that that's going to bring the Bitcoin ETF closer as well. Okay. I've got, I've got something. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. so I came upon this. I'm, I haven't verified this, but I'll share my screen with you. But I saw this okay, yeah. Twitter, somebody posted this, like the audience can see it, but it's basically like a taboo. Can you see it, Alex? Yeah, yep, yeah, same, yeah. Um, so it's a taboo and com- compares the money supply, uh, the M1 money supply, which is kind of like the base money of different countries. And um, obviously the money supply of United States is at the top with, I think, I don't know what that is, 18 trillion. I know it's like 18 with a lot of zeros. <laughs> and then it's 11. With a lot of zeros for European Union, then nine. Yeah, true. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. And basically, so Australia is at, so it kind of ranks the countries with basically how much, what the money supply is, um, the value, the value of the money supply. And so Bitcoin is at number 14 on that list. Australia is at number 11. Uh, so Bitcoin is at number 14. So basically, the value of Bitcoin is the, is more than the M1 money supply, the base money of many countries. So Bitcoin is just above India, it's above Russia, it's above Saudi Arabia. So, you know, I mean, it just shows you like Bitcoin, we're winning. Yeah, yeah, it's a major world currency, yeah. 
Yeah, it is. It is a major world currency. I don't, and I think some government, in many ways, it's too big to stop now. And even if governments do try to overregulate it, it would just shift around with regulations. People would start using decentralized methods. And another example of that, which I like to cite, is you know China banned Bitcoin, but even now, about something like twenty percent of Bitcoin mining is still happening in China. So if this authoritarian government in China banned it, but it's still a huge billions of dollars of Bitcoin is still being mined in China, and the governments can't really control it. So um, it shows that Bitcoin can find way route around these regulations. I think yeah, that's kind of like a positive note. Yeah, yeah. To end. Okay, okay. I got another one, another okay. positive one for you. Okay, so Tether. Uh, so they they just had their most recent sort of like quarterly statement and attestation. So they are, as we know, basically the world central bank at this point for for outside of the the US and the Western world. Um, they're earning over around. I don't know if it's over, but around a billion dollars every quarter just from the interest they have on tr- US treasuries and and cash cash equivalent investments that billion dollars per quarter um yeah. and they've also they keep acquiring bitcoin as well so they're, they're up to around sixty-one thousand bitcoin up from around fifty-five thousand from the previous quarter so they're, they're working hard to build up their bitcoin reserves it's still a small fraction it's only like around one to two percent of their overall um holdings is in bitcoin but they're, they're building it up quickly and it'd be, it'd be it's definitely be interesting to see if they sort of come under more pressure from the US if they start to migrate a larger a larger percentage of their holdings into into Bitcoin, sort of try and back back tether a little bit more with Bitcoin. Yeah. And if you want some more positive news, there was something I came upon, which is Boya Interactive, which is a Hong Kong based gaming company, revealed plans um for to spend a hundred million dollars investing in digital assets, including Bitcoin. So there's more companies. Um, so this is like a big Hong Kong-based company. And it's actually in, interesting because it's Hong Kong, so it's actually under the jurisdiction of China, right? But it's uh, planning to hold some of its assets in Bitcoin. And I think, I think that's that's so that's enough good news. Should we finish up, Alex? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So thank you for listening, everyone, and tell us how you and uh, if you enjoyed that, and see you next month where we will do the review of the news for December. Catch you later.